This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. (laughs) Uh, It's been my joy. I say it a lot, but I love you guys. I feel so fortunate to be part of this church body. (laughs) For the love. It's been a good year. It's been a hard year, but it's been a good year. This is the perfect day to talk about surrender. (laughs) I hadn't really thought of it until we started talking our way through this last 15 months, and surrender has been the name of the game. And I didn't connect the dots either, but this series is based on an experiment that myself and two other friends have been going on for the last eight months. Julie, who was part of the staff pictures that you saw, and my friend Gail, who led the standing ovation. (laughs) Uh, The last eight months, we have... Oh, love this. (laughs) It's true. I sung my heart out in worship this morning and ended up with dry mouth, and then crying doesn't help. Uh... The last eight months, we began this experiment of praying through these three um, postures, the posture of surrender, of mission, and of generosity. It has been life-changing for me, but I didn't put two and two together. It's totally like God that in the middle of this chaotic, difficult season that God brought these postures into my world wholly unrequested. And then I just responded to it and thought, yeah, I could use this, not thinking about how surrender was going to need to be the kind of the foundation of the year that I have had, that we have had, has been precious and dear and wonderful. And I want to talk about it so badly this morning. So if we can, can we transition to talk about abundance? I mean, ultimately, that is what we're shooting for as we start this year. The teaching series we wanted to do was how do we switch from what is so naturally a mentality of scarcity into a mentality of abundance? Because there are two bodies of evidence available to us at all times. Every one of us can very quickly come up with a list of things that we don't have enough of. As Americans, we feel like we don't have enough time, always. We never have enough time. Most of us feel like we don't have enough energy. I feel like I don't have enough health in 2020. I am a coughing mess this year. (laughs) There's not enough health or immunity. There's not enough money. There's too many of these things that I don't have enough creativity to solve. There's this huge body of evidence that is really easy to look at and say, scarcity is the name of the game. But we want to live, and last week Ron did a great job of casting a vision, an overarching intro to this idea of abundance, that it's not based on our circumstances. That we have the ability to live with a mentality of abundance no matter what our circumstances are. And then he began to introduce us to these three postures. A posture of surrender produces a sense of abundance for us. A posture of mission and a posture of generosity. And so today we're going to talk about surrender and link those things together. But as I prayed about this concept, because of the eight months that I have had of uh, experiencing or getting to experiment with it, I realized that this concept of surrender is pretty darn un-American. It feels counter a lot of things, (laughs) counter a lot of things. It is not an easy thing to do because we crave control. 
This mentality of scarcity comes from the body of evidence that is how many things we need to control and how much we crave that control. But we also crave someone else to be in charge sometimes because it's so overwhelming. But there is something inside of the American spirit, the self-made man or woman. There is something inside the American spirit that is like, no, surrender can't be the answer. That can't be the thing that causes this sensation of abundance because it goes so counter to everything we do. Can we pop ahead a couple of slides? I'm going to move quickly because we, we have a lot to cover in a little bit of time. Can we pop ahead to the we crave uh, control and um, something else simultaneously? <laughs> Surrender and control simultaneously. This is the tension that we live in all of the time. There is a part of us that mostly spends our time thinking, I can control my circumstances. I can control this outcome. But every once in a while, a life circumstance will hit us squarely in the face. Or for me, sometimes when we are worshiping, I will, I will get in tune with this deep desire that I have. And I think you experience it sometimes too, where we really wish someone else was in charge. Somebody else take the reins of this thing. Somebody else find a solution to that problem. Almost every world religion, in some way, shape, or form, speaks to the beauty of surrender. Because I believe, while it is also surrender is un-American, it actually grates on something in our human spirit as well that is the world over, not just in our country, is the world over, where we crave surrender it is a beautiful thing that we need. And so every world religion that I can think of speaks to the beauty of surrender in some way, shape, or form. But the question is, what are we surrendering to? Some spiritual leaders would suggest that you surrender to the universe or that fate has a hand that you need to surrender to. Or some spiritual pathways would talk about surrendering to the moment, being fully present and just acknowledging what is happening in this moment. Some spiritual pathways would suggest that you surrender to self, that everything that you need is in here. If we could just tune into it, that we surrender to self. I want to suggest that we have a God who we can surrender to that that is by far the most capable place to offer our surrender for a whole bunch of reasons. And I'd like to talk about five this morning because uh, I believe what the Christian faith has to offer is one, uh, it speaks to one of our deepest struggles, is the struggle for control, but in it holds our deepest freedom, the potential for peace the potential for abundance. And I believe God is trustworthy place to surrender to for five different reasons. And actually, I think the song this morning said eight billion. I'm pretty sure there's eight billion out there. We're going to talk about five this morning. One of the reasons why I believe we can safely surrender to God instead of to self or instead of to fate or instead of even just to the moment, as important as it is to be in the moment, God is a place to surrender because he is the God who is present. And throughout this morning, I would like to just invite us to this concept of surrender. I'm not going to be able to convince you to surrender. I already know it. What I'd like to do is invite you. And what I would like to do is to use 
either Bible, um, like the grandfathers and grandmothers of our faith, people that have gone before us, the Bible uses this phrase called, you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And we are. I would like to use my own stories. I would like to use Bible quotes that are by our grandfathers of the faith who will say to you, listen, I have tried this surrender thing and I have found it to be beautiful. And here's why you can trust God with it. So I would like to start with David who was an ancient king of Israel. And he would say, listen, you can trust God because he is the God who is present. And in Psalm 55, 22, he says this, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. That is the voice of experience. Thousands of years ago, David said, I tossed my concerns to God and he carried the day. His grandfather, not, not, I don't know, it's not actually grandfather, it's his uh, ascendant, but his relative, Moses, is a grandfather of our faith, who in his farewell address to the people that he led, he said this in Deuteronomy that I just think is beautiful. He would testify that God is present for you and therefore you can trust him. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Do not be afraid don't be discouraged. God is here. If you missed any portion of the December series that we did, it was called God with us. And the main premise is that God has always been for us. But at Christmas, the first Christmas, he made a switch in how he was going to interact with humanity. And now God is with us. Part of the reason why it is safe to experiment with the beauty of surrender is because the God that we are surrendering to is present, is actually with us. And then Augustine, who was an ancient philosopher and theologian, would say it this way. And I, my, my personality really likes the aggressiveness of this one. Rather than just a passive surrender, this speaks my language. Do not be afraid to throw yourself on the Lord. He will not draw back that picture. How many times have we felt the desire to fling ourselves onto a trustworthy source? But the question is, what will happen? Will he catch me or will he recoil? We feel that with friends too. If I was to be vulnerable and share everything that I'm thinking and everything that I'm scared of, will they take a step back? This, I love it. Do not be afraid to throw yourself on the Lord. He will not draw back or let you fall. Put your worries aside and throw yourself on him. He will welcome you and heal you. There is a surrender, and this is an aggressive type of surrender, but there is a beauty in surrender that you can trust God with this experiment because he is the God that's present. But additionally, you can trust the God who sees everything. The truth is we are not nearly as well equipped to control life as God is because we cannot see all the angles. Even if I'm in a conversation with you had this this week and that anyone who has ever been a roommate or married has had this experience. You had a conversation and you finished it and you agreed to something and then later because everything fell apart you realized you two were having a conversation about two different things but it sounded like you were having the same conversation. <laughs> I can't even be fully present in the moment and there can only be one other person there and I still can't see all the angles. The reason why God is a safe place to surrender to is because he can actually see all of the angles. Jeremiah would say this, 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. I can see it all. I can see it all. And it's beautiful. Surrender to my input. Surrender to my opinion. Surrender to my feedback. Surrender to these conversations because I can see it all. For me, the hardest surrender journey, we've talked about this a little bit before in previous conversations, but the hardest journey for me in surrender has been our journey of infertility. That in moments by moment, I will grieve and I will surrender. But when I fast forward out to old age and I picture it without children, I crumble. I can cry about that at the drop of a hat. I cannot picture a beautiful future that does not include children. I don't even know how to picture it. Surrender to me looks like loving a God and trusting a God who says to me, Ange, you have one picture of what a beautiful life looks like, and you can't picture old age without kids in it, but I can see it all, and you can trust me that when you get to that moment, and I don't know why I picture that old age moment on my couch, I don't know, but I... Sorry if you are in the old category. <laughs> I don't really actually picture sitting on my couch all of the time. But the moment that I picture that I fear so greatly is a moment where I am sitting on my couch and I define myself as old and I do not have children. There's something about that moment that just guts me. What I hear God saying to me in this experiment that is surrender is trust me to be in that moment. That when you have that awakening that you never had kids, and that is heartbreaking, that you will look back on your life and you will agree with me that I had beautiful plans for you, that you could trust me, that there was always reason for hope and there was a future that was worth investing in. You can trust me now before that moment arrives, because you're going to be able to trust me in that moment as well, and I can see it all. My invitation to you, my lack of ability to convince you to surrender, but my invitation to you, my part of your great cloud of witnesses, is a fellow journeyer who has fears and who is finding a God worthy of my trust and surrender because he is a God that sees it all. But additionally, he is the God that sees me. He doesn't just see how life is going to unfold and be like, okay, I hope it works out well for Angela in the midst of all of the things that I'm working on. He is the God that sees me, that knows me. This verse, if you've heard me speak once, you've probably heard me mention my love for animals. This verse is probably my favorite verse in the entire Bible. Luke would say, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? The part of me that grieves roadkill every single time I pass it. <laughs> this is my God. <laughs> I don't know what your theme verse is, but this is a God I can resonate with. Indeed, the very hairs on your head, some of that is easier for others, <laughs> are, are numbered. I'm sorry. Uh, indeed, 
the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I think that's kind of patronized. That, that cracks me up. Like, just reminding you, I keep track of the sparrows, and you're worth more than that. This is the God that doesn't just see all, sees you, knows you knows your particular passions and desires and hopes for your future, your fears. You, the God that sees you. Psalm 139, and if it's okay, I'm just, you know, earlier I said, let's switch out of learning and let's just switch into absorb this because it's an invitation. Uh, I'd like, if you would, just settle back in your chair. I'm going to read you 18 verses, which is like unheard of. You never read that many. You always find a way to summarize them. So here's the summary up there. But if you would, if you're comfy, close your eyes. Just let these words absorb. This is King David again, talking about the God that knows him. Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. Even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and my resting. You are thoroughly familiar with all of my ways. There isn't a word on my tongue that you don't already know completely. You surround me front and back. You put your hand on me. The kind of knowledge is too much for me. It's so high above me that I can't even reach it. Where could I go to get away from your spirit? Where could I escape your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I went to the grave, you would be there too. If I could fly on the wings of dawn. Yes, if I could fly on the wings of dawn. Stopping to rest only on the far side of the ocean, even then your hand would guide me. Even there your strong hand would hold me tight. If I said the darkness will definitely hide me, the light will become night around me. Even then the darkness isn't too dark for you. Nighttime would shine bright as day because darkness is the same as light to you. You are the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart. I love that picture. Your works are wonderful. That's me. I'm wonderful. You're wonderful. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. My bones weren't hidden from you when I was being put together in a secret place. When I was being woven together in the deep parts of the earth, Your eyes saw my embryo, and on your scroll every day was written that was being formed for me before any one of them had yet happened. God, your plans are incomprehensible to me. Their total number is countless. If I tried to count them, they outnumber the grains of sand. If I came to the very end, I'd still be with you. This is the God that doesn't just see all, but sees you. Another person in your great cloud of witnesses who would say to you, experiment with surrender, you will not regret it, is Elizabeth Elliot. And those of you that know this story, it's just one of the most heart-wrenching and beautiful stories that I have ever heard. But Jim and Elizabeth Elliot were missionaries to Ecuador with a whole group of people. And they studied the people before they showed up. They knew that the people were completely isolated as a people group. And they wanted to go in and share the hope of Jesus with these people in Ecuador. 
The first plane that they sent in included five guys, five friends who were all missionaries together. The plane landed and the men were all killed. And that should be the end of the story. But because that team, Elizabeth and the other wives included, had this idea of mission, this posture of mission, and this posture of surrender to the God that sees them specifically, Elizabeth led the group of wives back to the same group of people and spent the rest of her life being a missionary in Ecuador. It is the most incredible, beautiful story of redemption and restoration and reconciliation. Sounds very clever, but those are just the right words. It is a beautiful story. Here's what Elizabeth Elliot says about surrender. Can we give up all for the love of God? When the surrender of ourselves seems too much to ask, it is first of all because our thoughts of God himself are paltry. We have not really seen him. We've hardly even tested at all and learned how good he is. In our blindness, we approach him with suspicious reserve. We ask how much of our fun he intends to spoil. How much, <laughs> how much will he demand from us? How high is the price we must pay before he's placated? This is our narrative about God. If we had the least notion of his loving kindness and tender mercy, his fatherly care for his poor children, his generosity, his beautiful plans for us, if we knew how patiently he waits for our turning to him, how gently he means to lead us to green pastures and still waters, how carefully he is preparing a place for us, and how ceaselessly he is ordering and ordaining and engineering his master plan for our good. If we had any inkling of all of this, could we be reluctant to let go of our smashed dandelions or whatever we clutch so fiercely in our sweaty little palms? If we, if with courage and joy we pour ourselves out for him and for others on his sake, it is not possible to lose, in any final sense, anything that's worth keeping. We will lose ourselves and our selfishness, and we will gain everything worth having. Here. It's amazing. There is someone that has personally surrendered to a God that she knows knows her, and she is trusting and he is trustworthy to engage with that surrender in a way that she can throw her whole life onto. And then also we serve a God who redeems, who doesn't just ordain out beautiful plans, but life messes up plans all of the time. But we can surrender to God because God is the God of redemption, of taking what was broken and healing it, of taking what was off course and writing a whole new course that becomes beautiful. Paul says it this way in Romans, and this is a verse worth holding on to, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Another way you could say that is anybody that surrenders to God can trust that he will take the worst of circumstances and work them for their best interest. Again, let's go to Luke for a second. This is the God who redeems, and you can hear abundance in Luke's description. Give and you will receive. 
That, how? How does God work that out? But in God's economy, when you give, you get, and your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. This is the kind of redemption we can expect from our God, the God that you are seeking, that you are curious about, that you are experimenting with. This is the God who redeems. And lastly, here's another trustworthy thing that just allows us to lean into surrender is that we serve and surrender a God who is love, who doesn't just love, but is love. I'd like to read this verse from 1 John. It describes God's character, his nature, his very makeup. Dear friends, let us love each other because love is from God. And everybody who loves is born from God. The part of you that has a capacity for love is the part of you that was made in the image of God. It is a direct reflection. Your capacity to love, however big or small, however you invest in that, however you use that, that piece of you is a direct reflection of God. Everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. His very nature is love. If you were to surrender to God's guidance, if you were to surrender to his perspective and his opinion and his feedback to you, his principles about life, his worldview, if you were to surrender to that, one thing I can guarantee you is that God will lead you to love. I think almost always, first, he leads you to self-love because when you start to see the world the way that he sees it, you start to realize your own value, your own worth. He will lead you to love and it will include self-love and it will include a pouring out an increased capacity to love other people. One of the, the great cloud of witnesses that we have who loved in the face of hate was Martin Luther King Jr. And he had this to say about surrender. Every genuine expression of love grows out of a consistent and total surrender to God. Our capacity, our abundance, our abundance and capacity to love comes straight out of a correlation to how much we will surrender to a God who is love. He is trustworthy to lead you to places that will increase your capacity to love, your interactions with love, your behavior of love. He is trustworthy to be surrendered to. And every form of surrender, and there are so many forms of surrender. Every form of surrender creates space, which is why, like, the more surrender you have, the more space you have. The more space you have, it's abundance. That's just how that formula works. Picture these things even in your own experiences in life. When we surrender control into a posture of trust, it invites us into spacious places. There is a tightening in my sternum when I am in a control space. I don't know what body part your control manifests itself. It might be in your shoulders. It might be in your gut. It might, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, maybe headaches. But for me, there is a tightening in my sternum when I am in a posture of control. I breathe deeper when I have surrendered control to a place of trust. Same thing. When I feel hatred, 
There is a tightening in my spirit that when I press into love, there is space to be had. There is a deeper breath to be had. Hurts surrendered to healing. There is space to be had there. Doubt surrendered to confidence. When we move from a place of even just self-doubt, let alone doubt in at any fort, doubt moving to a place of confidence creates space. Fear moving to a place of faith creates space. Every form of surrender creates space. So it stands to reason that the more often we adopt a posture of surrender, the more abundance is available to us. I love this verse from John. I love the fact that it starts with, I tell you the truth. In God's economy, even death equals abundance. He shows it to us in nature. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and it dies, it remains just one, alone. But is death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. The more I have given up my life to God's perspective and to God's mission, the more what God is doing in my life has produced something elsewhere. The abundance is there. Even in giving up, more happens. God's economy, same thing with sleep. I don't know how much time you spend thinking about sleep. But sleep is an act of surrender. So often I will be, especially those last 15 months, I will be in a place where I feel like I need to put in more hours. There's more work to be done. But God will whisper an invitation to the surrender of sleep. And I will give into the surrender of sleep. And I will wake up better able to produce because I surrendered to sleep. God's economy of surrender beats anything we have to offer. It is so counterintuitive how sleep produces more. You've given up, but it does. In God's economy, he uses things that we cannot imagine surrender creating abundance, but it does. Here's the thing. Surrender is not just momentary. In order to get this mentality of abundance, surrender is a moment that is repeated until it becomes a mentality. I woke up this morning at 4.20, I have no idea why, filled with adrenaline and stressed out about this conversation. I don't know, like it's just part of my journey. But because we're talking about surrender, I yanked out my surrender posture prayer. <laughs> I prayed my way through that, adrenaline left my body, I was back asleep within five minutes. That is a moment of surrender, and it is sweet, and it is precious. But the more often I can repeat that same experience, the more I can carry a posture of surrender with me everywhere I go, rather than carrying a posture of control that I randomly give up surrender here and there as things come to the uh, to attention point where I have to decide. Surrender is momentary. For some of you, you may not be in a relationship with God. You need a moment of surrender in order to investigate the rest that faith has to offer. I would call you, encourage you, invite you to a moment of surrender where you say, God, okay, seriously, if you are these things, I want to experiment with what it looks like to surrender to your perspective, to your guidance, to your feedback and opinions. I want to investigate this further. That is a moment of surrender that is life-altering and a beautiful picture of surrender. 
But for us to experience this abundance that we all crave, for us to be able to live with a mentality of abundance, we need to repeat a moment of surrender as often as is necessary to have it become a mentality. To that end, here is the challenge of this series. Last week, Ron introduced us to the three postures. This week, I would like to give us a resource for it. In your programs, there is this card, and it is three prayers that just bring us into a posture of surrender. These are the prayers that my uh, myself and my two girlfriends have been experimenting with for the last eight months, and it has been incredible. For me, I start my day this way, and then depending on whatever conditions have happened that day, I often need to end it that way as well. (laughs) But I like to start my day this way to frame my day from these three postures. And then we have added a piece to it. So there is a prayer of surrender, but you'll see on this paper, there's actually a surrender confession that goes first. And each of these prayers have hand postures to go with it. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but it has been so helpful for me to physically symbolize what I am trying to actually express in this prayer. So this morning, here is my big question. What if we lived as if it was actually better that someone else knew better than us. It is, again, it feels un-American to say somebody might know better about my life than I know about my life. But what if? What if we just experimented with this idea? What if when we came to a moment where we decide what our attitude is going to be, what our verbal response is going to be, what our narrative or our charitable assumption or uncharitable assumption, what if we came to these moments and we experimented with the idea that somebody else, and I would submit God, somebody else knew better than us, and we chose that moment to experiment with surrender? What would it do? How would it change how we interact with each other? How would it change our internal conversations? What would that look like? So what we want to do is in this series, challenge us to these daily prayers. Today, we just talked about surrender and we're going to finish our time here actually praying this prayer of surrender together. But I start my day with all three of them because they are three, like three legs of a stool that work together beautifully to create a system of abundance, a sense of abundance. But today, if you're comfortable with it, join me in this prayer as we wrap this conversation up. And if you're comfortable with it, free your hands because I'd like to do the actual physical postures. We're going to start with a surrender confession. If you feel comfortable, pray it with me. You're welcome to repeat it after me quietly. I'll I'll pray that slowly. Uh, But join me in this prayer. I find it so free. Putting my hands in fighting fists, because that is how I internally live. (laughs) I confess it's my natural state to defend myself. My position, my attitudes, my opinions, my behaviors. To lean on my own understanding and my efforts. I confess that I often fight against you, your desires, and your perspectives, God. These fighting hands do not reflect how you lived or how I've experienced you. So I choose to hold my hands up as a symbol of surrender, 
responding to your invitation to spacious places with happy and chosen trust. I surrender to your lordship, leaning into the ways I've seen you be faithful and trustworthy in my life and the lives of people that I respect. I surrender my preferences, my prejudices, and my position to you. I surrender my fears, my finances, my friends, and my family to you. Call me today into your abundance. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.